Welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where every JoJo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 38, and we're reviewing, brace yourselves, it's a long one, part six, Stone Ocean, Operation Savage Garden, Head to the Courtyard, part one. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the JoJo anime, so you've been warned. You said Savage Garden, right? Yes, because we don't do localized <laughs> titles here. But anyway, happy Valentine's Day, weebs. Happy Valentine's Day. The, love the is... day this comes out is actually Valentine's Day, and I'm like double-checking the calendar here. Yeah, love is in the air, and apparently so is Jolene. So how perfect. Oh, I like that tie-in. <laughs> Very nice. But yes, it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I don't know what everyone has planned for Valentine's Day, but I hope it's... Um, straight out of a slice of life romance anime just just the best the fluff the drama all of it it's valentine's day and as far away from a drama as jojo's bizarre adventure is <laughs> hey i would take jojo's bizarre adventure as part of my valentine's day over a slice of life anime well you're crazy <laughs> hey if you want to thrust weather report into my life on valentine's day um that's fine yeah, you know what? I would take a, a date with Bucerati as well. Just stare into his luscious eyes and his bowl cut hair. <laughs> Caress his bowl cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, before we get into some weird things about what we would do with our uh, JoJo husbandos, um, a few reminders, as always. We have our Discord server for the Strictly series that has been pretty bumping lately, especially today. We've had a lot of uh, good discussions between the Attack on Titan channel and the anime channel. And that other channel. And that other <laughs> channel on the Discord server. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So if you're interested in joining and talking about JoJo with us after each of the episodes, the link for our Discord server is in the description. And... On the Spotify end of things, thank you again to everybody who's been leaving us ratings. It's been super awesome. We are one rating away from hitting 20 ratings on Spotify for Strictly JoJo. So if anyone out there is a Spotify listener and you haven't yet left us a rating and you enjoy the podcast and would like to help us out really quick, just go on the iOS or Android app. Find Strictly JoJo, which you're probably already on because you're listening to us. Find the little star, tap that, leave a rating, and hopefully we'll hit 20 pretty soon here. Oh, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> but yes, thank you, as always, to everyone who's been helping out with that. And so, JoJo updates. Nothing yet. A no. Week, a week has gone by. Nothing yet. We, we are creeping. Well, we did talk about the... They're supposed to make an announcement at Anime Japan. True, true. Um, and that's coming up when again? I should know Sometime this. Sometime in March. Oh my God. Well, we are, this is the last three episodes, including this one um, today, before we catch up to the first set of 12 for Stone Ocean. So yeah, I mean, we're going to be cutting it real fucking close. Hopefully it's going to be like, well... The, the, the last day of February is the last episode we have available to review, and then we go right into March. So maybe there will be like a one or two week gap, hopefully at most. Um, and again, we're, we're thinking about keeping the weekly schedule as Stone Ocean is still going on, but just filling in any gaps in the schedule as we wait for more um, Netflix episodes to premiere, filling those gaps with I don't know, discussions or whatever we've been saving for a little while now. So just stay tuned for that. I guess the only piece of JoJo news that I 
was able to find. And this isn't actual JoJo news. This is just something I stumbled upon in my YouTube recommended. I actually found somebody who custom painted the Jolene figure. I think the Grandista is releasing. Um, it's the figure, I think, she's doing the pose from one of the first key visuals that was released for Stone Ocean, where it's Jolene in, the, in a pose with her arm kind of tucking her, her head kind of resting on her arm. Um, we ordered that like a while back, I think when it was first announced, maybe in the fall. It was supposed to release this month, actually. But I think because of the current supply chain issues going on, um, that's been delayed, although I haven't gotten any updates from that website. But anyways, of course, the figure is already available in Japan. And I think this uh, this YouTube channel, they go by the name Figure Brush Painting Channel um, or Maman. Uh, the painter here, she was able to go to Akihabara where I think it they had the figures. They had like a wall of figures inside a, the, a crane game, right? Yeah. And like she was, she went to this place wherever this crane game was, um, that had the Jolene figures, and she, I think it took her like forty tries before she was able to get the box out. At which point, just buy the thing. Right? Yeah. I'm wondering how much each uh, crane attempt is, and then comparing that to the market price of the figure. But I don't want to figure that out now. But anyways, she was able to get the figure, and then. The rest of the video shows her painting the figure in a style that closely resembles the manga version of Jolene. So Araki's original colors for her and all of the the detailed lines that are synonymous with his art style. And it looked fantastic. Very, very good. And when she puts them next to all of her other figures, it's just kind of an eye fuck, really, when you look at them and they look like they should be straight up 2D images, but you know it's yeah. a 3D painted figure. It's really trippy and very, very cool. So, yeah, if I don't know if she takes commissions, but if we ever got like a duplicate Jolene figure, I would love it for someone like her to to repaint it in that style and then for us to display it. I think she also did... Uh, we have a Jotaro figure, not of the Grandista line. I forgot who made it. Maybe it's not Superstars. I don't know. But I wish it was the Superstars one. I think whatever that that high end line is. Yeah, that's a nice one. But this is still a really big one, and it looks really good. Yeah, uh, I think one of her earlier videos, she got that figure, um, and then also drew it in a very intricate, detailed Araki manga style. And I think last night before I went to bed. I watched her do like a, it was a matte black killer queen figure. And then she painted it in, in his colors. And it just, it all like the, all the stuff she does is amazing. So we can probably share uh, the link to the YouTube video for the Jolene figure um, for everyone to enjoy. And I'm pretty sure she has a Twitter as well. Um, where she posted the before and after. so Yeah, we'll drop the link to the YouTube video in the Discord channel um, for Strictly JoJo. And I looked it up really quick. The figure that we have, the Jotaro figure that we have that she also painted is the Ban Presto. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusader, Super Master Stars piece, Jotaro Kujo okay. in the original colors. Um, the anime think, colors. Yeah, yeah, with like the, the gray-green shirt and the black jacket. 
um because i think they have like the manga colors where he's like in a purple jacket and pants and stuff mm-hmm. so that's, blue blue jacket and then purple, purple shirt. shirt yeah but then there's another one where it's like really neon not neon but it's flashy colors I yeah guess. so that's the one that we have that, that you were referring to uh, but speaking of figures i also got an email today like two hours before we decided to start recording and it's from ign store the first and only time i've ever purchased anything from them and it's my inuyasha the final act pop-up parade figures for sashomaru and kikyo because i know we talked about how we ordered jolene several months back or several weeks back and we're still waiting on her guess how long i have been waiting for kikyo and sashomaru um six months eight months right because i i ordered it june 19th and it finally got shipped february 9 yeah that's eight months yeah dang that supply chain issue it's the same thing with my bakugo figure from i think crunchyroll that one took like eight or nine months as well and i'm still waiting on the inuyasha and kagome set from pop-up parade for inuyasha the final act from crunchyroll so i'm getting half of I'm, i'm i'm getting half of the figures from IGN, half them from Crunchyroll, and yeah, just waiting on two more. And then finally, I think I won't have a backlog of figures I'm waiting on, besides the the Jolene. Do we have any more that we're waiting no, on? No, yeah, I have a, a Levi that I'm waiting on, and uh, Aaron Yeager from Attack on Titan oh, that's Season right. 4 that I'm waiting on. That's right, that Aaron Yeager one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I know uh, right now I'm looking at uh, a vinyl figure that I ordered for you. It's a mini figure of Ayn from Cowboy Bebop. I think I ordered that in the fall, and it was supposed to arrive in December, so I was hoping that it would arrive in time for Christmas, but then that arrived uh, last month, January. Yeah, I was wondering why you gave me like a present out of nowhere, but then you explained that it was supposed to be around Christmas time. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, what did I do? (laughs) What did I do to deserve this? (laughs) So yeah, supply chain is still trying to catch up. But hopefully I will get a notification soon about those remaining figures, especially, of course, the Jolene figure. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Um, and speaking of Jolene, let's talk about this episode, the one with the fucking long name. Localize. Okay, so official title, Operation Savage Garden, head to the courtyard one. I don't know why they didn't just put part one, <laughs> which is weird. Um, but I still like Savage Garden. Yeah, localized. just like Marilyn Manson. Localized title is Operation Savage Guardian. Head to the courtyard one. Again, they did the best that they could with what they had. And Savage Guardian is not that far off from Savage Garden. And it does make sense. Savage Guardian, I think, still kind of rolls off the tongue. But mm-hmm. it's still just so cringe. Like, no matter what, it's always going to be cringe because we know what the in- the intended or the <laughs> actual name is. It, it just sounds like a parody band of Savage Garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, what did you think about this episode? It was good. Like, we get two more members of the prison posse. The prison gang. Ever growing. (laughs) Although, one of them, I feel, is just like a fleeting cameo for people to get it. You got excited the first time we watched it. Hell yeah. You squealed. I don't know if we want to say the name now, but I'll I'll just save it for, for spoiler purposes. But I wanted to quickly ask, is that how that character first appeared in the manga? Nope, and I'll talk about that later. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I guess we'll have to name that character, but it's I'll Anasui. let you. <laughs> I was going to say we could <laughs> I mean, come on. Later, like, yeah. I, I think that that's... Anasui's going to show up in like probably the next batch of episodes, and 
He literally appeared in the episode. So just because they don't say his name doesn't mean like I'm not going to mention him because if you're a JoJo fan and you know, you have any awareness about Stone Ocean, you're going to know that Anasui is part of like the main gang. Like you're just going to yeah. know. You're going to know that character. And really the his his name doesn't spoil anything. It's just yeah. Anasui. And I'm pretty sure because last week I was talking about the key visual for Anasui and I don't think we had... Did we mention his name as well? Or the stand name? I don't remember. Stand but. name we can hold off on. Yeah. Um, they did announce, or they did share the um, character design yeah, for the that, stand. Which yeah, we, that's what we previously talked about. Yeah, and we so. shared it in the Discord server. But so I yeah, think, it's on a Sui. Yeah. <laughs> I think the stand name we'll hold off on just because you could infer something from the stand mm-hmm. name. But yeah, you can just Google it if you really want to know. <laughs> yeah, other than that, like getting the, the two new characters... Um, this was transitional. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> like, um, we get set up, of course, for I think th- this being the last arc for Stone Ocean Part One, but a little bit of it felt all over the place. Um, uh, but again, I think it's just because this is a transitional setup episode, and and, and on and on that regard, I think it was just it was just good. I disagree. I don't think it was a transitional episode at all. I think it's setting up it's it's part of the main arc here, which is head to the courtyard. Like mm-hmm. this this is the this is the get the star platinum disc to Jotaro arc of the story. Granted it, it takes place over like three episodes. But yeah, I think this is the start of that arc. I don't think it's taking us from one arc to another. Maybe the beginning part is a little bit transitional, but I think the overall episode is is critical to pretty much the the rest of what's happening in these first 12 episodes i also thought it was a great episode like just for the setup sake of it um introducing us to the new enemy stand user introducing us to the rest of the prison gang <laughs> prison posse <laughs> um giving us more insight into emporio who's been pretty much a mystery up until this point and um just giving us more context around how jolene feels about her father at this point which i'll i've got some notes on we can certainly dive into that but yeah i I thought it was a a great episode um and i'm just excited because the next two episodes are even better than this one so let's go ahead and jump right into part six episode 10 operation savage garden head to the courtyard part one after witnessing Puchigang undocks himself from Mirashon's soul album, we see Jolene use her DraftKings winnings from her live-action Oh, That's a Baseball bet to make her one phone call. Not to her lawyer, though, but to the Speed Waifu Foundation for proper delivery of Daddy Jotaro's Star Platinum Certified Disc. The customer service rep tells her to deliver the disc to Savage Garden. Not the band, unfortunately, but a codenamed agent, within the runtime of this episode to the prison courtyard. Before disembarking, Jolene catches up with Emporio in his phantom bachelor pad made possible through his paranormal bending stand, burning down the house. Emporio introduces her to another stand user, Weather Report, who has a taste for poofy hats, a memory that fails him, and a lack of understanding about personal space. Nonetheless, Weather Report agrees to help Jolene in her task with his unique weather-manipulating ability as they come up with a convenient course to commute their consecrated cargo to the courtyard. Of course, a monkey wrench is thrown into their plans when they come across one of Whitesnake's goons, Monkey Man, who seems to have stolen Uraraka's hero quirk 
with an ability to make things weightless. Jolene takes a cue from Wicked and defies gravity thanks to Monkey Man Stand, Jumpin' Jack Flash, as the sinister simian makes off with Daddy Jotaro's Star Platinum Certified Disc. Weather Report shows up in the nick of time thanks to Stone Free's phone-a-friend hotline, fending Monkey Man off with the power of barometric pressure, and they both float on like modest mouse towards the prison laundromat where Monkey Man has absconded to in order to air out some really dirty laundry. And now into our next segment of the show is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. And there are quite a number of references in this episode. First and foremost, I will start with the titular reference. <laughs> we always use titular now. I know. Now I know what that means. <laughs> um, and that is Savage Guardian, which is the codenamed agent that has not yet appeared in this episode. But that is in reference to Savage Garden, an Australian pop duo that achieved international success in the mid-90s and early 2000s with such hits as Truly Madly Deeply and I Knew I Loved You. But of course, I know many JoJo fans probably know them as the performer of Part 4's first ED, I Want You, with the Chicken Cherry Cola. Chicken Cherry Cola. Shout out to Edwin. Um, I did not know they were Australian. Neither did I. You couldn't tell by the way that they were singing. By the way they sing their Chicken Cherry Cola. (laughs) I knew I loved you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Second reference, uh, another music one, is Burning Down the House. That is the name of Emporio's stand. This is in reference to Burning Down the House, a 1983 song by new wave band Talking Heads, which was the first single from their fifth studio album, Speaking in Tongues. I love that song, Burning Down the House, but for some reason, I did not know that was Emporio's stand name. Did he say it in this episode? I'm pretty sure he did. Oops, I must have been typing notes then. And I don't remember if it had a localized version or if it just said burning down the house. I mean, it's a perfect fit for his stand power, but mm-hmm. I if I read the manga and I've watched this episode twice and for some reason I didn't realize that was the stand name. But yeah, really good song. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to that point later um, with something else. Uh, there's a fashion reference in here but I think I'll save that for when we get the proper introduction for Anasui. So on to another music reference, which is Weather Report, with the localized name, however, being Weather Forecast. But this is a reference, or the character itself is a reference to Weather Report, an American jazz fusion band widely considered as one of the defining bands of the jazz fusion genre. Uh, What is jazz fusion? Um, it's like when you go to like an Asian fusion restaurant. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I I don't know how to describe. I I know like cowboy bebop. Certain parts of its soundtrack soundtracks sound like jazz fusion. Just like jazz and other sounds put together. Like not maybe not like the traditional jazz instruments that you would mm. hear. Like I, I feel like there's a lot of electric synthesizer sounds in jazz fusion. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, well, weather report. That's your boy. You gotta. That's my boy. Gotta do your research on who he's named after. Um, a couple more references here, and this is with the enemy stand user. This is where I don't think he is ever mentioned by name. I remember that I think watching this whole arc, 
is that I never knew the the, the monkey man's name. So that's the why I call him. Man. That's why I called him Monkey Man. But his name is actually Lang Wrangler. And there are what t- the fuck? <laughs> there are two references here, and these are both fashion references. The first, with his first name Lang, that is a reference to Helmut Lang, an Austrian artist and fashion designer known for his utilitarian, minimalist aesthetic, as well as for his prestige range of denim. And speaking of denim, his last name Wrangler is a reference to Wrangler an American manufacturer of jeans and general workwear items. And the final reference uh, that I caught in this episode is a music reference, and that is with Lang Wrangler. I'm just going to call him Monkey Man. (laughs) Monkey Man stand Jumpin' Jack Flash. I think the localized name was Jumpin' Jack Spark. But this is a reference to Jumpin' Jack Flash, a non-album single by the British rock band The Rolling Stones, which is perceived by some as a return to the band's blues roots, as well as being one of their most popular and recognizable songs. Now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And we have two, although one of them's like not really a meme. It's more like a reference, but it's kind of been memed a lot recently. And, the, and that first one is Anasui's reveal um, in the manga, he's actually revealed as a female character. And it's never been confirmed as to why Araki made the switch in the the second appearance for Anasui in the manga from female to male. So the Anasui female version shows up in a similar fashion to what we see in the anime when Emporio brings Jolene into his secret base, his room, whatever. Um, but then the next time we see Anasui, which will probably be in the next set of episodes that come out, um, in that that second reveal or reintroduction, he was male, and yeah, th- it's just never been confirmed by Iraqi why that change was made. Some people assume that um, the publisher or whoever was working with him on the manga wanted uh, to not have as many female characters. They wanted more of a blend between male and female because then that would put the only two male characters in that group being Emporio and Weather Report. But, I mean, who knows? It's, again, never been confirmed, so we don't really know for sure. What an outfit, though. I think we talked about yeah. this last week with his visual design. I know, and they, they left um, all of the good parts exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so the, his appearance in here is similar to his first appearance in the manga then? Yeah, and I'll post a picture of his first appearance um, as a female in the manga in the Discord channel so that uh, you can see that. But yeah, I mean, it it pretty much looks like Anasui just with some tits and short hair and more of like a feminine face. So the design is pretty much the same. And then just suddenly it was different because you could say Iraqi forgot, but I think it was probably an intentional switch. I don't think you, mm. I think that's a pretty big plot point to forget. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the first one. The second one is, I think, more of a new meme after the anime came out. And it's specific to the part towards the end of the episode where Weather Report is running down the hall while carrying Emporio like kind of slung over his arm and there's a tweet under his arm kind of like a football yeah (laughs) yeah there's a tweet that that was um that kind of went around and i'll share a link to it in the discord channel as well that basically shows a baby being held in a very 
odd way <laughs> just like just being like grabbed by some dude <laughs> almost i can't describe it um and, just one-handed yeah one-handed grab from like the side and the baby looks a little uncomfortable <laughs> and the person was like this is how weather report carries emporio but anyway i'll i'll share that link because it's it's funnier when you actually see it so that's a newer meme um but it was pretty funny watching emporio like sprint down the hall with like this kid watching emporio watching Red. oh sorry weather report sprint down the hall I mean, yeah he with this kid him, in his arm carries him effortlessly and emporio just like accepts it like he's just okay <laughs> probably because he can't keep up if he tries to run on his own i would say that another one is another you could call it a meme is when uh Emporio or not now i'm getting them mixed up weather report gets all up in jolene's face yeah i could see that kind of like uh when Bucerti got up all up in Giorno's face and he's like, this smells like the sweat of a, a liar or something. Yeah, right? that's a good one. I know. I, I, I've i actually seen that less than how hard the Bucerti Giorno like up close face moment hit the uh, the JoJo community. But yeah, I think that, that the Jolene weather report one has been making its rounds. So that's totally fair. We will add that to the list of memes and we've got a total of three for this episode. But as always, if you see any other memes that we may have missed or any new ones that pop up, please reach out and let us know. So let's get into the important part about this entire episode. The most important thing that we are introduced to in this entire episode, which is weather report. It's Weather Report. He is so fucking cool. I love him. He is my favorite character in part six. I know I've mentioned this before. I I just love Weather Report so much. Maybe he just came off as a bit too creepy to me at first. <laughs> I, I think I still have yet to warm up to him. Um, and maybe also because he has like a goofy hat. I love his hat. His hat is the best part but about his character design. It's amazing. You're, li you're not living, but you are confined in a state prison in the state of Florida, and you're wearing a piece of clothing that is more like from the, for winter. Yeah, like you're going skiing in the Alps, like some rich person going skiing in the Alps or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think his, his design is so cool. I love his outfit with like the cutouts on his chest that kind of look like, I don't even know, like not like petals, but just like the, the cutouts on his chest that, that are showing some skin there. I don't know how to kind describe them. Kind of like Jorno's like bare chest. Yeah, similar to that. Like, I just think his design is really fucking cool. You're forgetting one part of his design, though. What? His belt. Do you know what letter is on it? No, I didn't look. All right, I should know this, but is it a W? Is it it's Wombo? It's set to Wombo. It's set to Wombo. <laughs> Even better. Now I've got another reason to <laughs> to love uh, Weather Report as much as I do. I think the most exciting part, though, and I loved Weather Report because of you know reading the manga. And I can understand why you're a little hesitant about him because this is a very weird introduction. And maybe a big part of the reason that I love Weather Report is because he's so weird. And we'll get into that as we talk through the episode. But what was the cherry on top for me about Weather Report after Stone Ocean being confirmed in the, in the anime adaptation and then seeing his character design for the anime adaptation, then, of course, you get the voice acting cast announced for Stone Ocean. And my boy, my second favorite voice actor in the Japanese side of things, Yuichiro Umehara, was confirmed as Weather Report. And I was like, mm. no fucking way. I got so fucking excited. I was like, let's fucking go. I love his voice. I think it's so awesome. And honestly, a fantastic fit for, for Weather Report. I, 
I just can't get enough of it. I, I got so excited rewatching this episode just because I got to see Weather Report and hear Yuichiro Umehara's voice. Yeah, I will say like he he has a they a Yuichiro Umehara has has the right voice for the character. Yeah. Although every time I think of him now, I think of that YouTube video you sent me, whereas him <laughs> and I forget who he was partnered with, and they were like trying to practice their English with a caller yeah i think he's got <laughs> yuichiro has a podcast of sorts with some other guy i don't know if he's a voice actor or just like some celebrity in japan in the particular segment that i was listening to was him and this other guy uh, speaking english to a native english speaker um where for like t- five six minutes they could only like the guy would only speak to them in english so even though they would try to figure things out in japanese he wouldn't respond unless they spoke to him in english so i i think yuichiro's english is he was he was struggling through it um but it was just so funny hearing him try to ask things like was the girl you liked cute and then i don't well, i don't remember what they said it's but- like something like was she thin or fat? Yeah, like, thin or fat. <laughs> but the way Yuichiro said fat, the guy was like, was she fuck? Like, it was just really funny. <laughs> you have to watch it if you're interested. I think you can find it if you just look up his name and then like English segment or something like that. But yeah, it's, it was funny to to watch that video. I was laughing so hard when I first watched it. I was crying. And then I sent you the text message with the, the link to the video. And I just kept laughing, just anticipating your, your reaction to it. Yeah, I think I was watching the video late at night um, while you were sleeping, and I had headphones in. But I like had to stifle my laughter <laughs> because I, it was just so funny how they were like struggling <laughs> to communicate <laughs> with this guy. But yeah, now every time I think of Yuichiro Meharu, I will think of that video. <laughs> but diving into the actual episode, um, also with a, a big cool factor is Poochie. Poochie gang. Who gets uh, another like soft introduction in this uh, the beginning part of this episode. And he drops the, the bomb on us that he can delete memories off of discs that he steals from other people, which is kind of terrifying to think about. Because I, I think he learned his lesson when the whole McQueen situation unfolded. And Hermes mm. was able to confirm White Snake was involved because there was a memory of White Snake speaking to McQueen on that disc. So here he's probably like, I need to make sure I wipe everyone's clean. He mentioned Mirashon was the most recent one that he wiped clean. Um, and this is this is big news. This this could play like a big part in Stone Ocean. And, and truthfully, I don't remember how this factors into the overall lore of Stone Ocean from the manga. I also liked his soliloquy about the difference between humans and animals and that humans seek heaven. And maybe that's just in line with his occupation as a priest. You are kind of smirking right now, which is, I feel like you're giving away something about this. <laughs> Don't do that. I was about to drink some water. I was about to spit it up everywhere. And, uh, okay, I, I'll I'll be honest. I did hear a slight spoiler with this phrase um that might come up later on i'm not gonna just i'm not i'm just gonna leave it there and you're smirking again so I'm <laughs> yeah not... no no spoilers but i mean there's a reason he's saying this and there's a reason he's a priest it's not like he just happens to be the villain just happens to be a priest you'll you'll find mm. out more later and really that's i don't think that's a big spoiler because every jojo villain is what they are for a reason like Yoshikage Kira was just a regular dude because he wanted to live a quiet life. Um, there's a reason Araki 
created this character as a priest. And so we'll, we'll, you'll find out more about that or we'll find out more about that in the next batch of episodes, most likely. But yeah, I mean, just, I guess, take a mental note of what he says here. And now that you mentioned Kira, I actually got some Kira vibes with Pucci, especially with him wanting to remove memories of himself from Yarshon's disc. I, that's pretty much what Kira was trying to do for the entirety of part four is make sure that he went unnoticed by Moriocho. He wants to live a quiet life in this jail where he is a priest and bashes people's faces <laughs> into corners of tables. Well, no, I, I think like he wants to kind of remain anonymous so that no one suspects him of whatever this scheme is that he's cooking up with White Snake. Yeah, because he's got one of those rare stands where he can communicate through the stand. I think we still don't have confirmation on whether his stand is sentient in the way that Mista's sex pistols are. And again, I, I think sex pistols is the only stand that we've gotten introduced to so far in the JoJo anime that is like a, a sentient stand that can actually communicate with its own stand user versus like the stand user communicating through the stand. Um, but White Snake, I mean, it seems to have pretty big range. And again, he can communicate through White Snake. Like that's pretty. That's pretty intense. The last thing I'll mention with Poochie, uh, this is just something I noticed with him crushing the ant on the windowsill as he was talking about the difference between humans and animals. It kind of reminded me of Judge Claude Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Does he crush an ant? I don't know if you've seen the movie or have watched it enough, but there's a me. Scene, I've seen yeah. Hunchback. Do you, there's a scene. You told me it's your favorite Disney movie, right? Yes, which it is, is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Who says Hunchback is their favorite Disney movie? It's so dark, and it's just the story. I think is fantastic, but I think he's talking to Captain Phoebus, talking to him about controlling the citizens of Paris. And if you remember, he grabs us. I think they're in his like his not his headquarters or whatever. Uh, but they're walking across a balcony and he holds like a, a slab of stone and then there's like ants crawling um, on or under it and then he takes the slab and just smacks it down on all of the oh, ants. Oh, I do remember that, yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like because Judge Claude Frollo is a figure of authority there and then you have Pucci who is a figure of religious authority in this series. I don't know, maybe Araki got inspiration. <laughs> Was it Frollo also a priest or a man of the church? I think sanctuary. In, <laughs> in the <laughs> now in I'm the, like remembering this movie. <laughs> uh, in the original novel uh, by Victor Hugo, I think he was a member of the clergy. But for Disney's purposes, for whatever reason, they changed him to like a a judge. Oh, maybe because it's. It's inconceivable that a child would have to think of a priest as a bad guy. Yeah. But possibly. show all your children well, <laughs> Jojo. <laughs> yeah. And then Jojo just goes ahead and shows it. <laughs> when we get back into the actual prison scenes or the, the prison setting, I, I just, the only thing I noted really about the initial part with Jolene trying to get onto the phone onto the phone to get to get access to the phone was that the animation of the chick who was on the phone that she paid um paid off to stop her phone call the animation was like really smooth like very smooth like when when she accepts the the bribe money from jolene and then like grabs the the coca-cola can and says like ah savisu and then just kind of like walks away all happy and shit the animation just looked super fucking smooth and clean 
And I don't know why they chose that moment to give us really clean, smooth animation. It was kind of weird. Did you notice that or was it just me? Yeah, I kind of did, which makes me wonder, like, later on, I'll talk about Monkey Man. Oh, yeah, good point. Like, there's some really nasty CG here. Why didn't they focus more budget on getting rid of some of the CG scenes and making them 2D? Mm -hmm. But here they made the the Coca-Cola chick really beautifully drawn. Which I think she's the same prison cook that had messed with Jolene before, right? Oh, from the cafeteria line? Yeah. Uh, Maybe. And I think she was also on the phone back then, and Jolene was trying to. I remember her being on the phone the first time, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, this time, it's kind of like Jolene's payback. So, full circle. There you go. Well, then, Jolene finally makes her phone call, and I I enjoyed this conversation. I don't know why. Like, it just felt really cool. Like, she's in the know, because she calls the Speedwagon Foundation, which this branch, I guess, is located in Dallas, Texas. Isn't that where Speedwagon first, like, established the foundation? Like he discovered oil in Texas and struck oh, it rich. Oh shit, that's right. So it's not even a branch; it's the Speedwagon. It's like Speedwagon <laughs> Foundation. It's the foundation. Like the <laughs> Speedwagon Foundation. Well, there you go. I didn't even think about that. Um, so yeah, it's it's located in Dallas. We got that confirmation. Um, she calls and they're like, "Yeah, we don't take collect calls from the prison." And I'm like, "Well, it's a good thing you actually picked up because they could have just screened the call, seeing that it was from a prison." But maybe because they knew that Jolene was in prison and that Jotaro was in trouble, that they were like, just take the call. But yeah, can you imagine how different the story would be if they screened her call because it was from a prison? Yeah, it would kind of be like a, a what if, Marvel's what if moment. <laughs> it branches into a different timeline. Um, sorry, I was just looking up that the Speedway. I don't think, I know like Speedwagon found oil and then it he struck it rich i don't think it was in texas but i would assume because that's where like in the desert was it in the united states yes oh, okay it was so wanted to clear that up um the fu- other funny thing is during this conversation the uh, the episode takes us to the undisclosed location where they're keeping jotaro's body and i think he's like currently medically unresponsive and you see a quick flash of like a computer screen next to the device that he's being kept in. And, you know, it lists like all the vital body parts, like the heart and the lung and their condition. But if you look closely at the top, it says Blaine. I, <laughs> of course, you would be the one to find that instead of brain, it says Blaine. It's David Blaine, okay? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's the brain, like the body part, the body part, the brain. And I know like there's this thing with like Japanese um, language having difficulty between L and R, but you get close-ups of the phone that Jolene's talking on and it says collect call as normally. It doesn't say correct correct call. call. (laughs) I don't know, but I just thought it was a nice little... I don't think it was an intentionally humorous touch, but I got a chuckle out of it. Maybe he's actually got a Blaine in his head instead of a brain. I don't know, a but David again, Blaine in his head. Yeah, of course you would notice that. Um, but yeah, this whole conversation with Jolene and the Speedwagon guy, the rep, I enjoyed a lot because this rep is like, I don't know what you're saying, but I believe you. Probably because the Speedwagon 
Foundation and Speedwagon himself had seen so much weird shit from the Joe Stars over the years that they just immediately believed them. They're like, the guy's like, I'm not a stand user, so I, I can't really help you too much, but I believe you. I've never seen a stand before in my fucking life, but I believe that they exist because you're the Joe Stars and that's what our foundation is all about. Sucking your dick. <laughs> what the heck? Just kidding. Supporting you because Speedwagon loves you. He's best waifu. <laughs> I'm wondering if this representative is more than just a representative uh because the original person was just the phone operator and i think jolene specifically asked to be connected with someone who knew what the hell she was talking about yeah he's probably like one of those dudes who's got like level 10 security clearance and he knows all the inner workings of the speedwagon foundation but for jolene's purposes and I'm sure based on the limitations around what he can do to help Jolene and Jotaro, he's probably just like, I, you don't need to know who I am, but I'm, I'm here to help you. Just like the mm. mysterious helping hand through this whole situation. I do really appreciate that they call, or this guy anyway, refers to Jotaro as Dr. Jotaro Kujo. Professor. Or professor. <laughs> no, I think they said in the translation it was doctor, and then he calls him professor later, right? I saw Professor Jotaro Kujo. I thought it was doctor. Okay, well, whether it's one, the other, or both, despite all the crazy shit in Jotaro's life, he still managed to become a marine biologist. Mm -hmm. Still managed it, which is so fucking funny. Um, but yeah, that's 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 Jotaro for you. He's uh, he's able to accomplish a lot of things all at once. But he is being kept alive in a machine somewhere else. They confirmed not at the Dallas location. I don't know where that somewhere else is. Um, but I also don't remember him being in a fucking iron lung in the manga. Is that what that device was? I mean, I don't think it's literally an iron lung, but it looks like a fucking iron. It's like a, more mm -hmm. like a capsule, like something you, you'd see out of like any other show, like a cryogenic yeah, like freezing a cryogenic, chamber. Yeah, or a Bacta tank in Star Wars. But for some <laughs> reason, I just immediately thought it was an iron lung. But yeah, I don't remember this in the manga, and I, I, I could just be forgetting it. Um, I know that there was like some other shot of him like in a medical state. So I don't know if they made a change or if I'm just thinking a bit further ahead in the story, we'll find out. Um, but also what is a UUV? Oh yeah. That's something that the subtitles mentioned. I'm guessing they're talking about the submarine, but yeah. Jotaro never named the submarine. He just said it was a submarine. No, UUV stands for unmanned underwater vehicles. Oh, it's not a Jojo name. It's an no. actual thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Um, Jolene then confirms with the rep that she is not allowed visitors, therefore she can't pass the disc along through those means. But in my head, I'm like, can't you just have them visit Hermes instead? And then Hermes can pass oh. it along. Or even Foo Fighters, because I don't think Foo Fighters is like in the same lockdown state that Jolene is in. That's a learn from Kabi moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, TikTok she clearly trusts them sense. <laughs> because she lets, in the last episode, she let Foo Fighters hang onto the disc, the little hands on her back, which is so mm -hmm. cute. And then Hermes, like she, she entrusts Hermes with like all this information and helping her, uh, helping Jolene recover the, the disc in the first place. So I was like, that's kind of a plot hole maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's funny because Jolene knows so much about like atmospheric pressure and centrifugal force when she looks at Monkey Man's devices on his hands later, but she can't think of that. <laughs> it's the big brain Jotaro Kujo <laughs> situation. You can think about really intense things, but maybe the smaller things kind of escape you. 
Um, and then I, I just one thing that dawned on me as we were rewatching this episode is that she specifies or not she, but the rep specifies to Jolene that they will be retrieving the disc from her in 20 minutes from the courtyard. I can't remember if in the next two episodes there's something that extends that time. But if not, you're telling me that the entire courtyard arc, which spans three whole JoJo episodes, technically takes place in 20 minutes. Is my understanding correct here? Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about on this podcast about JoJo logic and... I'd have to say this is the most outrageous JoJo logic that we have come across. Again, you've got the the infinite tower that JoJo or Jonathan and Dio fall down when they're fighting in part one. And you've got the chariot race between Wamu and Joseph in part two. We can name a ton from the rest of the parts. The 10 seconds of... Uh catch back and forth uh in the last episode yeah or dio using the world and quote unquote only counting five to six seconds when it's way longer than that but for something that's supposed to be 20 minutes spanning three entire episodes like basically more than triple the time just in the airtime or the runtime of the episodes that is technically taking place in in this part of the story that is some intense Jojo logic. And that's a Rocky for you. You know, he's like, yeah. fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this the longest 20 minutes of your entire life. Well, I think at this point we have to eschew the logic of time in the Jojo universe. <laughs> or you know, maybe they're they're talking in two and a half speed and we don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, who the fuck knows? I mean, we can question it all day long. I think it's just better to laugh at it poke fun at it but ultimately accept it because it is it is a rocky's will for this 20 minutes to be more like 60 minutes <laughs> i noticed though that between the phone call and jolene's access being restricted she's throwing around a lot of cash a lot of fitties a lot of 50 dollar bills are floating around and i kind of think back to my criticisms of hermes in the last episode where Really, all of that drama between the girls and, and Mirashone was because Hermes gave into the temptation of money. Now mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe it was a good thing that Hermes wanted to take that bet because I don't think Jolene could have paid off all those situations between the phone call, the restricted access, and then the um, the guard with the floating Coke or whatever soda was in his, his cup. Yeah. Like she probably couldn't have paid off all of that at once had she not taken the bets that Mirashone offered. So I apologize, Hermes. I think there was some legitimacy to your uh your your pushing Jolene to to take that bet. I think Hermes even said like the winnings from this bet will help you get a phone call. Um she did, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, Hermes wasn't just thinking with her wallet, like she was also Thinking ahead of the game. Thinking so. with her Blaine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So then Emporio shows up and tells Jolene not to touch the ball, but then throws it directly at her with no chance of her dodging it. And it doesn't even fucking matter because she can't touch it in the first place. It mm-hmm. goes right through her. Like, Emporio, what are you doing? I love you, but what are you doing? <laughs> and you actually noticed this. You called this out to me when we were watching the episode, and I was like, play that shit back. Did he really do that just now? <laughs> yeah, he threw straight into her chest. <laughs> and he's like, don't touch this ball, and then whips it at her. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Maybe he's just, you know, he, he's still a kid. Maybe it was just his way to play a prank on his One-chan? One-chan. Yeah, what that he calls her. I thought 
I always think that when he calls Jillian that it's so nice. It's super, super endearing, especially because knowing his backstory, like he lost his mother when he was young. He was born and raised in the prison. He has nobody else. He's very alone. Well, I mean, now we know he's not he alone. He's got two fucking weirdos yeah, in his room. <laughs> sleeps in the fucking piano. Speaking of which, yes, Weather Report is introduced. And the first thing that Emporio tells us is that he likes to sleep in a bed. Fine. But because there is no bed, he decides to sleep in the piano. And I'm pretty sure there's a fucking couch in the room, isn't there? Yeah, and grand pianos, or like all pianos in general, they have strings like across them. That And those strings, strings are made of metal. That's not comfortable. You know, this is why I love Weather Report. <laughs> I love him. I mean, he's fucking weird, dude. The guy likes to sleep in a piano because he can't sleep in a bed when a couch is right there five feet in front of him. And just the way that he's like sitting in the piano doesn't look comfortable at he all. Is... Like he's contorted and his legs sticking out. Or dude, the whatever. way he's laying in that piano, he is commanding the attention of everyone in that room. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let me tell you. Um, but then we also see Anasui who just fucking dips after... Jolene's yeah, there. Yeah, not a word out of him. I know, not even like a real introduction. Emporio's just like, here are these guys. And then he starts to talk about Emporio and honestly, he's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that would have been the female reveal of Anasui in the manga, as we talked about earlier. But uh, here he's revealed as male right off the bat. So then Emporio talks a little bit about his stand power, gives us some insight that he lives in what he calls a ghost of a room. The prison caught fire in 1984 and then had a renovation, and the room that they're in was renovated as well, but he can access a version of the room that once existed in the past, and that is his stand ability. Um, he also confirms that he has been a stand user since birth, which I think he told us in a previous episode. He like lightly hinted at that. And yeah, that's burning down the house. He can just kind of transcend time and space in different spaces. And that's how he gets around the prison so strangely. I wonder what else this stand could be useful for, at least in maybe in, in the fight against White Snake. Probably a quick escape, honestly, because oh, I don't yeah, think like yeah, if you were to go be. into the ghost room through the stand ability, you couldn't also access it through just punching a hole in the wall, I imagine. I could be wrong. Like maybe you could be in the same room as Emporio and you just see the current type of room, but you can't see the the past version of the room. I don't Is know. That like, what the, like they they warp into just the plain music rec room is that where like the actual location of emporio's mu music room used to be i see like my under i, I don't understand the, the the stand ability that well so like my thought is okay you're in a past version of a room but you said this room was renovated so the room itself still exists in both the past and the present so what if someone is in the room in the present but you're in the room in the past. Are you both standing in the room just seeing different versions of it? Or are you both like physically separated because one of you is in the past, one of you is in the present? Or is it just Emporio's realm? Like, because we see later when he hides himself, Weatherport and Jolene from Monkey Man in the coat, you, you see like that kind of bluish realm within the flaps of the coat. So maybe it's just a an anomaly in a different time and space yeah i could see that that would make more sense because again like what's the point in using that stand ability if someone from the present can still see you you're not like protected or hidden or anything mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know he, he also can uh confirms that he can't consume the ghost objects but he can taste them 
and apparently that juice can also stain his shirt because it spilled yeah, all over his the, fucking Cubs jersey. What's the logic there? You can't eat it. You can't drink. You can't drink things, but you can stain your shirt still. And you can taste it. Yeah. And you can like actually crunch it and like break it. And so it's just weird. Like, yeah, it's a very weird <laughs> logic because why why does it just go through your body? I don't it's know. It's like just smelling food without eating it. Yeah, I don't know. It's super, super strange. He also pulls that fucking trash can out yeah, of his pocket. Like, like it's nothing. <laughs> here's how I fucking get around. Here's how I gave you that chicken bone in the last uh, last arc was uh, by uh, taking my garbage can out of my pocket and then hiding in it with the chicken bone, which is not chicken bonuses. Smothers pelvic bone. Mm-hmm. I understand that's very sad for him, but it was weird. <laughs> Another thing that's weird, It this is one of two very strange sound effects in this episode, is the warping noise from his room and back which oh, uh, so i i think emporio's stand sound is fucking cool and it's very distinct because as we've mentioned before sound design in jojo is absolutely amazing david production does a fantastic job but i'm not going to lie i think i know where you're going the one the one time he used it it didn't sound very nice no it sounds like a reverse fart no, no, it sounds in. like an actual fart because <laughs> I think that Monkey Man's stand sound when it first get, gets introduced sounds like a reverse uh, fart. Okay, that, that's my my take anyway. <laughs> well, it sounds like an actual fart. <laughs> either, whether it's a forwards or a reverse fart, uh, just like it uh, also mixed in with the like the Inception button, so it just makes this really vroom sound. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> it's a girthy fart. To call back to Matt from Otaku Melancholy Podcast when Audrey's audio got all wonky and he was oh, like, Audrey right. sounds a little girthy in this episode. That's how I, I describe the fart noise. Like that that fart has some girth to it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I yeah, it sounds super funny. Um, specific. Usually it doesn't. It's just that specific moment when Emporio moves Jolene and Weather Report out of the music room. That's when it sounds like a fart. And the fact that there's a cloud that goes along with it doesn't really help that case. It kind of looks like a fart cloud came out of the side of the screen. <laughs> so we'll we'll try to find a clip of it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. If we can find a clip, we'll drop the link in the, the Discord uh, server so you can see specifically the, the noise that we're talking about. See and hear the noise that we're talking about because you can't see a noise. But yeah, overall, I think the sound design is pretty pretty cool for his stand. He then goes into talking about Weather Report, like officially introducing Weather Report to Jolene and giving lots of uh, context around this absolutely incredible character. So not only is he wearing that bomb-ass hat and that amazing outfit, um, not only does he sleep in a fucking piano, he also wants to tag along with Jolene, not even help her. He just wants to fucking tag along. I think it's so funny that they they described it that way. Like the guy just wants to hang out, you know. He's like, I don't know this nice lady, but I'll tell I'll tag along with her, see what see what's going on with her. I thought it was also because like they mentioned that he has no memory of when he got arrested or his childhood. At, so they think at some point he was affected by White Snake. And maybe that's why he wants to tag along, just to find out more about why. Oh, probably. I don't know. Maybe I was taking notes during that part. But yeah, I mean, either way, like, it's just funny that they say he wants to tag along versus, like, I'm going to help you, yeah. um, person that I just met. But yes, you're right. Emporio 
confirms that he has no memory of his childhood or when he arrived at the prison, but he is serving a six-year sentence. He has a habit of walking on his tiptoes. He is a fanatic of the TV guide, but doesn't watch TV. He talks to people by whispering or speaking in a very low voice and getting right up to your face. Um, and yeah, how do you not fucking love this character? You know, this He's fucking like, awesome. This sounds like the thing that Kira said to Shigechi, like his My Name is Yoshikage Kira speech. And he has <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all of these weird habits and nuances. Maybe that's why Kira's my favorite JoJo yeah, villain. Yeah, that's probably why you love Weather Report. <laughs> Dude, he's so fucking weird, but he's so cool at the same time. Like, just the perfect blend of a fucking cool, badass character with a really awesome OP stand and like an amazing theme song. Let's talk about his theme song, theme song for a second. How fucking fire is that theme song? Maybe that it has elements of jazz fusion. It pro- so. yeah, I, I I got a vibe of something weird going on there. Like it almost has like this this like espionage meets mm-hmm. like eighties or nineties vibe with like yeah. some synth synthesizer synthesizer. I can't talk today, guys. I'm not gonna attempt that word again. But yes, um, it's just a really cool song, and I can't wait to get a full blown version of it. I don't think it's on Spotify. Is any of it on Spotify? The OST? No, they haven't officially. Uh, they haven't released the official OST yet on Spotify. Uh, Spot- no, I can't talk. <laughs> Spotify. They have not released the official soundtrack yet on Spotify or any other music streaming platforms other than the Stone Ocean OP in both its English and Japanese versions. So I'm sure they will release it sometime, maybe after the conclusion of part one, once it's released in its entirety in Japan, or maybe at the conclusion of the entire Stone Ocean part. I hope we get it soon because it's really good. I don't remember if in the next episode or two we get more of like a prominent like playing of that theme song when Weather Report does whatever he does. I hope we do. I want to hear it more because it's a really unique theme song. Like it doesn't, it lacks intensity, but in a good way. It feels just very cool um and like sly i don't know how to describe it but it's it's really nice but anyway this character is like the perfect blend of fucking cool elements and fucking weird elements and that's why i love him so much yeah he fucking tiptoes past that guard to the great what is the men's section or whatever of the prison he also, I think, has fantastic spatial awareness. Um, right except off- when he goes up to Jolene's <laughs> face. <laughs> except that, except that. Um, but right away, he's very clever to spill water on the ground to see who's watching them. I mean, Jolene doesn't even pick up on that, but he immediately picks up on that and uses the water as sort of a, a mirror or reflection on the ground so that he can see their face. And he, he calls that out, too. He's like, I know someone's watching us, and through what I've just done, we can now confirm what they look like so that we can avoid them. And I'm like, hell yeah, weather report, do your thing. Um, and then, of course, him carrying Emporio was fucking hilarious and just perfect for his weirdness. And as they're getting chased by um, this monkey enemy stand user, I just keep wondering how he can see anything. What is it, Lang Wrangler? Monkey man. Because his mask has fabric over the centers of his (laughs) eyes. I'm like, you're you're not able to see anything. How can you do anything in your life? Why would you choose to obstruct your vision like that? Which I now realize Mirashon had a similar thing with her. I don't know if it was her hair or if it was just her outfit. She had lines going across her face and also across across her eyes. So I don't know. 
You know, they're sand users. They don't need yeah, vision, I, I think guess. Araki, <laughs> like, he took his fashion sense to the fullest in this part, even if it's, like, if it defies logic and reason. <laughs> but, yeah, he's a weird-ass stand user, crawls around um, like a monkey, wears his shoes off his feet. So he can crawl on the ceiling and, and walls. That makes sense. But then he also, like, just ties them to his ankles um so that i don't know he can put them on later i don't fucking remember what was going on with those shoes yeah and all of that is just complimented and i use that sarcastically by the use of cgi for his movements holy shit i hate it so much it's it is very annoying um very distracting and just ripped me out of the immersion immediately as soon as the first bout of cg came on screen yeah, it's just really out of place, especially with there's. Sh- I think there's a shot where um, you see Jolene floating, and it's like she's drawn in the traditional two D, and then you have him scuttling across the wall, and it's in CGI. It's just they don't mesh well together. And I know CGI has been used in JoJo before. Um, in our recent watch through part two, the the chariot race comes to mind where you see like the uh, Jojo and Wamu on the chariots and it's all it, it's all done in CGI but it's like very minuscule so you can't really tell. No, it to me it was pretty pretty obnoxious because it's so stiff and it's just it sticks out like a, a sore thumb. That's why people don't like anime fans don't like CG in their 2D anime because no matter what you do it sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, I think Monkey Man sticks out a lot more than the chariot race. True, yeah, because the chariot race was minimal shots and from far yeah. away. And granted, I you can tell David Production was trying to keep the CG to a minimum. It was just when like he was in like far away shots or just like these transitional shots of him going from point A to point B. So they're trying their best not to use too much CG, but any cg is too much cg like mm-hmm. let's just be honest here and i kind of wonder is this the result of making david production put out 12 episodes in one go that was my same question is this indicative of a rush job yeah and when we had our guest appearance on anime brothers podcast with dan and jeff from otaku host club i believe it was jeff who had mentioned reading something or having some having heard something about David production being uh, falling victim to some of these these issues that studios face when creating anime on such tight deadlines where not only are we seeing CG in certain episodes but certain shots of characters or certain kind of bouts of animation look way more rough than they should for a David production JoJo animation which still surprises me because when was Golden Wind wrapped up what 2019 and so understanding that, you know, David Production probably had other projects in between. Um, I'm looking at the list here, Fire Force, Strike Witches, Road to Berlin, all these other random things, Cells at Work. Um, so they, they probably had other projects, but you would think like JoJo is, it's like the the main course of their dinner. You'd want to allocate as many resources as you can to making sure that that product comes out of a high quality. And, and it's the biggest gap that we've had between seasons, JoJo, right. season, JoJo seasons. So they had more time, question mark? So yeah, things like this are kind of concerning. And you know what? Maybe it's Netflix's fucking fault. 
<laughs> I know Maybe. I've voiced my displeasure many times with Netflix, and I will continue to do so. But maybe that was just additional pressure、uh, because Netflix had this bulk deadline release that they wanted to do with JoJo. So here I go again. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I think again, David Production tr- probably tried to do their best. Maybe、yeah. in the Blu-ray, they'll clean it up and then hopefully re-upload it. Um, Netflix, like they did with Emporio's outfit, where we don't have any CG and it's all 2D. Who knows?、Um, but it is what it is. We'll have to just deal with it for now. But throughout this chase scene, there's like some interesting things that I took note of. First off,、um, when Emporio hides Jolene and Weather Report in that orange jacket, when they open up the jacket, we get a look inside of the realm between, like the the realm that I guess appears as part of. Burning down the house, Emporio's stand, where it's kind of that realm between like current day space and the ghost space, or whatever he calls it, the the past space.、Mm. Uh, anyway, it's how he travels through it, right? And and we've seen this animation before, or this style of realm, quote unquote, before with Bucherati when he uses sticky fingers. Yeah, he'll like pop out in spaces, and you can kind of see the swirly. The swirly shit behind him. I want to say Vanilla Ice from Part Three also had sort of that kind of realm-looking thing in his stand's mouth. Cream, right? Cream is the name of the stand. Vanilla Ice Cream. I think so. <laughs> we, I got. We have to brush up on our、uh, Part Three episode soon. I'm trying to remember if there were any other stands. I feel like there's got to be another one or two stands that we're not thinking of that also had this type of in-between realm where there was kind of the swirly yeah, effect. Yeah, maybe in. Part four, maybe part five. Besides Bucciarati, yeah, we'll have to think about it. But it's just interesting to think, or just interesting that the same kind of concept of this realm, this unknown realm, or this in between realm, shows up for different stand users, usually with different colors. I'm guessing,、um, but I, I, I'd be curious to compare, like, what does Bucciarati's quote unquote realm space look like in comparison to Emporio's. Um, if they have the same animation, or if it looks slightly different, but yeah, just the concept I think is interesting that they kind of keep that similar across. Or if they're all connected and they they could visit each other in that realm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Although, you know, Bucciarati's no longer. Yeah, he's dead. So maybe if he was still alive, <laughs> then he could you know hang out with、uh, with Emporio. Can you imagine if Emporio just went into the realm and was able to grab Bucciarati and be like, "Hey, can you help us out real quick?" And then Bucciarati shows up from Italy in Florida、yeah. <laughs> like, to help、Ciao. another Joe star. Like, holy shit, that would be crazy. Then he dips like Arrivederci and goes back to Italy. <laughs> well, hey, if we're getting Josuke and Whole Horse, I mean, I know Bucciarati's dead, but maybe there's like another stand user that can pop up in Emporio's realm. Who knows? Yeah. So then Emporio is like talking to Jolene about being careful with how she approaches getting to the courtyard because he's explaining kind of how the the different areas of the prison are broken up and the best way to get to the courtyard. And maybe I'm going a little out of order. I'm not sure. But what's important to note in this exchange is that Emporio says, you know, be careful, don't get caught, or you're going to get another five years added on to your sentence. And Jolene's like, another five years is nothing at this point. And I love this line because、mm. this just plays into how Jolene no longer hates her father. She's finally understanding the reason behind his actions, or rather, lack of actions as a father, his his absence as a father, and is 
again, her goal now for Stone Ocean is to save Jotaro, and she does not care what cost that comes at, what what consequences she has to suffer, as long as she can save her father. And I just I love that. It is so incredibly heartwarming and endearing. And one of the things that that continues to bring me back to JoJo is just this theme of family. Yeah, because what's an extra five years when you can't spend it with the person? Like with your loved ones, right? Because exactly, Jotaro could be gone, like any second, and she has to rush to get this disc back to him. And yeah, I, I just realized I kind of hate right now that we're in a limbo of knowing whether or not, or not knowing whether or not Jotaro is going to survive. I know the manga's out, but I don't want to read the ending of that. But we're just in this really strange limbo yeah for sure and no spoilers of course and i i think that to your your earlier point you know jolene sure you can argue well jolene had all her life to spend with jotaro if he was in the picture but also jolene could be dead if joel if jotaro didn't do what he did right you know divorcing his um his wife and separating himself from his family because those stand users constantly try to hunt him down i mean we, we know that stand users attract other stand users it is by laws of, of nature, by laws of Iraqi, that a stand user, no matter how hard Jotaro tries, a stand user is going to show up someday and probably put his family in grave danger. And he's not willing to risk that until he can find a way to stop the issue around stand users, which is why he goes off and does what he does. Like it's all for the sake of his daughter and, and for his wife now, ex-wife. <laughs> Again, I don't think they confirm that in the anime, but people know that, like, you know, People talk hey, about you it. You can infer it by the flashback memories that they show. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know they're divorced, I mean, you could probably assume they're not in good terms. Just because she's obviously jo- Jolene's mom doesn't know what the fuck's going on, so she's just like, "Why is my husband not here?" And again, you could argue that Joe Toro could probably tell her about it, but he's probably banking on the fact that maybe it's safer to not tell her. I don't know. We could argue about this all day. Maybe this will be a really good discussion episode when we're waiting for the rest of Stone Ocean episodes to premiere. We will see. But either way loved the line that jo- uh, that Jolene said about you know another years another years another five years is nothing at this point holy shit I can't talk right now but thank you that was my TED talk so going back to farts <laughs> <laughs> as I mentioned earlier if Emporio's stand sound is a fart then fucking jumping jack flashes stand noise is definitely a reverse fart because when he starts or to a, do I, I wrote sounds like a muffled fart so maybe a muffled reverse uh, fart yeah I could see that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. But when he starts to use that like centrifugal fusion bracelet he's got, that's when it starts farting. I don't know, just just farts, man. This episode is all farts. Because like he emulates like uh, the movement of a monkey, you know, you know like monkeys, like the, the <laughs> they're known to like throw their shit around. <laughs> oh, know. are they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're known to fart a lot. Maybe. <laughs> Well, I, I'm curious to know if there's any scientific accuracy to how jumping jack flash can control like the stand movements with centrifugal centrifugal forces mm, in zero gravity. No, I think that is meant to keep him from being affected by his stand. That's why he's still pretty level. Is that how it was? No, explained? I thought it was because he got suction cups on his like toes and fingers. Oh, that's right. Maybe I was just reading the the dialogue wrong. Well, because like Stone Free can't 
I can't use the string and shit and like maneuver around zero gravity. So I assume that jumping jack flash can also not move as a stand. So the centrifugal, I, I, I don't know. They like, they, they dumped all that information on us. They, what I got from it was that those bracelets help that stand maintain its or control its movements in that zero gravity state. But I'm like, is there any scientific accuracy to that? I'd be curious to know. I'm sure there are some people who have a science background watching JoJo thinking that's not fucking accurate or, <laughs> hey, that's pretty fucking accurate. So I'm reading a synopsis of this episode from the JoJo wiki that says um, during the confrontation between Weather Report and Monkey Man, <laughs> Lang Wrangler, um, Jolene tries to make sense of Weather's ability guesses that he's created atmospheric layers to use the air resistance to deflect uh, Monkey Man's attack and guesses from the gauntlet spinning that Lang shoots his projectiles via centrifugal force. Mm, okay. Again, I wonder if that's scientifically accurate. Yeah, but I guess <laughs> to sum it up, Weather Report's just using his stand ability to affect Monkey Man's stand ability. Okay. That that makes some sense. Um, there's also going to be some science questions I have in the next episode, but we'll we'll save those for then. Uh, we do see Weather Report use his ability to control wind, I believe, to fly through the hallway in the zero gravity state. Mm-hmm. That was fucking cool. Like that was so badass. Everything he does is so badass, even though he's fucking weird. So he also was sent into zero gravity because he touched Jolene. Is that right? Yeah, and he okay. even said like Jolene, everything you're touching loses gravity please stop touching things (laughs) but at least like he used that to their advantage and was able to propel them into the i don't know laundry room or what do they call it uh whatever room that was where monkey man is currently hiding out in um just so she can make it in time to the courtyard yeah weather report is fucking op as fuck in this episode especially next episode i mean there's no way jolene would survive and what happens in the next episode without him. He's, also, he's amazing. Yeah, I also love that because I think earlier on, like Jolene sees that it's no use in trying to catch up to Monkey Man. So she uses Stone Freeze thread and then the floating cup as a kind of a makeshift telephone to reach out to Weather Report. Um, you, you see the, I'm pretty sure we saw this earlier at, in, in another episode, but like the, what do you call it? The katakana? Yeah, the characters. Yeah, yeah the characters kind of travel. And, and all that. Yeah, they travel through the string to get to the glass, but she doesn't think she'll reach. Uh, it'll reach weather report in time. And then the screen cuts to like a static black. Which is kind of weird. It lingered for a little bit. Yeah, but I love how you get a really sudden pop of light, and then that's when weather report starts running down. I just thought that was a great way to signal like he's coming to the rescue. Yeah, that was really cool. Again, he's just badass. Everything he does is badass. It's either weird or it's badass, like one of the two. There's no middle ground with Weather Report, okay? <laughs> the guy's awesome. I want his hat. I want a figure of him. I just want his wombo belt. His wombo belt. I want his like <laughs> cut out shirt. Like it's just amazing. Everything about him is so cool. But yeah, that's uh that's Weather Report's big introduction and it was a wild one. And so that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 10, Operation Savage Garden, Head to the Courtyard, part one. So were you able to weather the storms of this episode? (laughs) 
Absolutely. I I loved it. I don't know. It was just fun. It was stupid. It was fun. Um, it, it got me hype as fuck for the next episode because it ended on such an interesting note um, with such a weird fucking en- enemy stand user. And really, I don't know, maybe I'm being a little biased about this episode just because it is Weather Report's introductory episode. But even then, like he wasn't the focus of what was going on here, but he still stole the show. He He's great. But I thought it was a fun episode, and I think it's a great way to lead us into um, the final arc of these first 12 episodes, um, just really bringing up that hype hype factor and just the, the stress um, that Jolene is under to get to the courtyard in what is supposed to be 20 minutes. Which um, takes place over 60, 60 minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's just great. It keeps the intensity up the, the whole way through. So it was, it's a great episode. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, I, I thought it was just a good setup episode. Um, you are introduced to a flurry of characters and stands. Oh, is that a weather reference? A flurry. Oh. Um, it. I still think it feels a bit transitional, um, but I think it's just, again, meant to get us prepared for this final arc. And obviously these the next episode, I think, will carry the meat of this fight with uh, with Monkey Man, so I think this episode, I I think it's a little similar to part one of the like the f- fight against Foo Fighters. Um, speaking of Monkey Man, uh, seeing the CGI, it just took me a bit out of the episode, but I think he will prove to be a formidable and kind of annoying thorn in Jolene's side. Uh, but we do get a taste of his powers, also Weather Report's powers. And I don't know, maybe with your arguments and how much you have vouched for him, maybe Weather Report will grow on me. Who knows? Also, I forgot to call this out, but we get confirmation from Emporio that Weather Report is a born stand user, not a stand user given a disc from White Snake. So, yeah. It's just his memory is failing him. So I'm curious to know if there is any interference from White Snake in that regard. Uh, but yeah, other than that, can you believe this whole arc is supposed to take place between 20 minutes or within 20 minutes? I mean, by Jojo logic, I can believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or maybe just, you know, Florida time is just wild. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a wild place that, that a good old Florida we have down there. <laughs> Come to the United States if you're not from here and go straight to Florida. It'll be... It'll be a great time, question mark. <laughs> yeah, you know. There's... No, I, I know. We always hate on Florida, but no, there, there's a lot of good qualities yeah, about like Florida. Yeah, the, like the theme parks. Yeah, which one can't even be referenced in here because it's not Warner Brothers. It's the <laughs> other one. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say this shit ain't Disney, right? <laughs> Although we did have um, some good Disney references. We don't often have those. Hunchback. Oh, yeah, like our references. Yeah, right? it's always, um, what is it? Your references are Star Wars, Harry Star Potter. Wars, Harry Potter, Dark Knight. And uh, SpongeBob. SpongeBob, yeah. <laughs> but here we had Disney. There you go. That's nice. That's nice. Changing it up a bit. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to yet another Stone Ocean review episode. We are nearing the end of the current set of episodes. Oh, Again, yeah. only two more. Yeah, two more left. Um, we will continue to keep you posted on any JoJo news that comes through in the next week. We'll keep you posted on. What we decide to do, if there are any gaps in the schedule, um, we'll, again, probably explore some discussion episodes. So if you have any suggestions or anything that you want us to 
to possibly talk about, let us know. Reach out to us because we love when you guys connect with us. And that wraps up episode 38 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoy the podcast and like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday during the Stone Ocean Review series. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued. So full circle there. I there guess. you go. There you go. <laughs> I can't help but the, the hiccup came out.